So basically what we're going to do, we are going to do some NBA. You want to talk about some NBA and then I'll end it with UFC predictions. All right. All right. Let's do it. Sounds good. Are you guys going to do a new um, kind of makeup prediction since... Yeah, 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 we, got, we have to. <laughs> you guys can hear me, right? I'm good. Yeah, yeah, you're solid. Okay. Awesome. All okay. right. You ready? So, yep. So anyway, the NBA came out with the all NBA teams the other day, which um, pitiful. We have pitiful, like Shannon said. First team I thought was pretty good. James Harden, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, eighty. Mm-hmm. Second team is when it starts to get a little off the rails pascal siakam is a player who can now add on be a second team to his resume and you know um, here's the thing he got a first team vote no way yes he, he got one first team vote had to be a guy from canada but how does someone genuinely vote for him to be a first team player yeah i don't know didn't I bradley beal get um like slimmed what didn't Brad didn't Bradley Beal or something? Did, didn't he? Wasn't he? Was he like? Did he think he was gonna be supposed to make like a first team and then did he was snubbed from the All Star team? Yeah, there are there are a variety of players who I think oh, okay snubbed. Um, I thought I saw a post or something. and He was kind of pissed about. Yeah, um, he was. I mean, actually, he was beefing with this one reporter named Zach Lowe because apparently. Zach told him he was going to vote for him, and then he didn't. But mm. uh, come on, bro! Wow. The thing about all NBA um, teams is that they actually do sort of impact players' salaries in terms of like if you make all NBA team in either the most recent year or I, or two of the past three years, um, you qualify for the thirty-five percent max instead of the thirty percent max if you're a um, player who's played between seven and nine years. So in that case, like Rudy Gobert would be an example of that, even though he had already qualified for other reasons. And um, by making the second team of all NBA, it actually is a huge financial gain for Pascal Siakam and Ben Simmons, whose contracts will now be worth. Simmons. It will now be worth twenty-eight percent of the NBA salary cap instead of the twenty-five percent that they would have been regardless, which is obviously due to the Derek Rose provision, but um, just a little tidbit there, I guess. Um, Shannon, do you want to start doing some quick hits on some guys Wait, we think maybe I, should have made it? I have a question. So I, I, well, after, after you guys talk about it, you, I kind of, cause some of these teams are raw. Like it's the first team and the second team. Like if they played each other, I feel like it'd be a pretty good game. Like Dame, Chris Paul, Kawhi, Pascal, and Nikola Jokic versus James Harden, Luka, Giannis, LeBron, and AD. I feel like that'd be a really fun game to watch. Yeah, it yeah, would be. For sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Who do you think would win? The first team. First team, yeah. First team, yeah. Yeah. But still, you got Kawhi, Pascal, and then if Dame actually like shows up. Yeah. yeah. Both teams are filthy. And, and again, then, Pascal shouldn't be on the second team. So no, he shouldn't be on the third team. If we're real, dude, Russell Westbrook <laughs> got third team. Yeah, yeah that's, that was crazy. I wonder, I wonder what bubbled if he was on. I wonder what team he'd be on if it, like the bubbles like had one. He'd probably not even make a team. No, the crazy thing is he wasn't even that good during the regular season. No, either. 
No. Like, um, they yeah. had to trade Capella because Russell Westbrook was such a liability <laughs> with his lack of shooting. Yeah, so. he just destroyed everything. And they rewarded him for it. So I do guess- we want to... Do we want to talk about who we think should have been on the team or who shouldn't have been on the team? Both, either way, whatever direction you want to take it in. Uh, Well, the first team was tough. I think Damian Lillard should have been on the team. Mm -hmm. It's hard because... On which one? First team? First team, first team. It's hard because Luka is amazing. James Harden, they're both amazing. But I think Damian Lillard deserved it more than Luka. Wow. And arguably, I think Jay or James Harden. I would, I would say either of those really. I would take Harden off before Luca to be really. Fair. So, I so think. say you're not a Blazer fan. Would that be the same answer? Yeah, I, I think it would be. I really think. <laughs> oh, it <would> be. <laughs> nice, Daniel Jonah. You're Lillard, repping the Ducks. He averaged thirty points per game, mm-hmm. third in scoring. Mm-hmm. He was fifth in assists at eight per game, and his player efficiency was fifth. He's a top five player. Yeah. Top five player in the NBA? Yes. This season. This season. Okay, yeah, this season. All right. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's. Well, then I guess you should have made the team then. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Six 50 point games, three 60 point games, led the league in minutes played. He has shots, he shoots free throws 15% better than Luca. Uh, Lucas shoots 32% from three. Dame shoots 37. Uh, I also thought it should be noted that Luca they did finish better, but only one place better. And Portland was obviously so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Zero depth in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And well, in the playoffs. Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> it should have been Dame. Dame's on my first team. I think that's a great case for Dame. I, I want to hear you well, talk about him versus Harden. Yeah, I reluctantly put Dame second just because um, Luka Doncic, I thought, was an easy first-team choice just because the Mavericks led had the statistically best offense in NBA yeah. history. Yeah, And now, obviously, it's not the best offense in NBA history just because, like, the nature of the game has changed so much. So, like, just right. the best statistical doesn't equal best overall. Was he, I just thought, did he have the best player efficiency rating this season? Um, I no, he, I think no? that... I think that honor went to Giannis this year. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Luca was like third, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, he might have been yeah. second best offensive, though, behind Harden. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 37% usage, 29 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. Just crazy numbers. Yeah. And then, obviously, like I said, led a successful team. Harden is when the case sort of gets um, a little tricky for me when it comes to Harden versus Dame. I ended up picking Harden. He scored four more points a game than Dame did, but on like way less efficiency. Like Dame, right. he was like above 40% from three, if I'm remembering correctly, or at least very close, like mm-hmm. 39-40. Yeah. And Harden was more down at 36. The way, um, the reason I ended up picking Harden was just sort of like, um, it ended up just being usage and sort of the volume, just um, the Houston Rockets offense is um, a lot more, I guess heliocentric would be the way to put it. It's like yeah. hard, as hard as Damian Lillard's job is on the Blazers offense, I would say um, Harden fills an even bigger role on Houston's offense. And then Harden's defense was actually sneakily very good this year. He That's true. had a defensive box plus minus of 1.4, which is 
by far the hardest or the highest in his career. And I think it's just the second time he's been a positive defensive player. Whereas Dame, um, for he struggled on obviously like um, Dame should be, shouldn't be like competing his ass off on defense. Like you kind of need him to save that energy for offense. But I just thought the defense with another feather in the cap of James Harden. But I definitely see the case for Dame first. Yeah, it's hard because I feel like Damian Lillard was a first team player this season, but the players who were on the first team are also first team players, truthfully. So it's hard. It's just splitting hairs with most of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And then I assume you had LeBron, Giannis, and Davis rounding out your starting five. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Did Ben Ben Simmons made third team? Yeah. Did he have a pretty good season? Yeah, I thought he had a pretty good season. Got uh, it. He was he was a monster on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, and I think he was a twenty plus point per game score. No, and, he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. He was, he was like sixteen or seventeen. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's lower only could hit a three thought. ball, then it would be twenty. How many assists? Probably like seven or eight assists a game. Though. I, yeah, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have Ben Simmons on either of my three teams. My other guards were obviously Lillard and Chris Paul on second team, and yeah. then I actually went Trey Young, Bradley Beal on third team. Obviously. I thought about I thought about Bradley Beal. I, I chose Booker over Bradley Beal, but yeah, that's fair too. That's yeah. fair. Booker, I thought, had a more, like, well-rounded season than Bradley Beal, but I just couldn't ignore, like, the second points-per-game score. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And then uh, I... Ben Simmons, just real quick, 16.4 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, and 8 assists. And then two steals, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. He w- Yeah, he, he had a good season, I he think. He did. He did. He's definitely, he's definitely deserving of... Their team and he played on a good team too. I just think um, a guy who I had on my second team who didn't make it at all was Chris Middleton. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but the way the voting works is just so stupid because Chris Middleton got more votes than Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. But because his votes were divided between the guard spot and the forward spot, he didn't end up making it. Oh, either. that's dumb. That's so dumb. Yeah. Put him so at the like, guard spot. He can play shooting guard. Yeah. Does he not? Uh, I think technically he would be small forward and Wesley yeah. Matthews would be the shooting guard. But I mean, I think it's unfair for the NBA to allow like some players to be eligible at multiple positions because then it yeah. kind of just spreads out their vote and like if anything makes it harder. Right. How is he ever going to make an all-NBA team like that? Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was stupid. And, Mer- and um, Middleton's contract, I think, extends for three more years after this one. So it's not something that's going to affect him financially but just from like a fairness standpoint yeah yeah he deserves it more than westbrook simmons even i'd say pascal oh yeah i would say so too is there anything else you wanted to hit on on these teams Shannon? uh let me see let me see let me see let me see um i need to find what Oh, I felt like I would take Joel Embiid over Rudy Gobert. Okay, yeah. Um, that's funny because I actually had a third center um, who's neither of those guys. I had Bam out of bio. I thought about him too. I thought about him too. Yeah. But it was that was um, – I felt like I was kind of being – like my judgment was being impacted by the playoffs and I felt like right. that wasn't fair. So Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Did um, Eric Pascal uh, make the rookie team? 
Yeah, he was all rookie yeah. first team. Yeah, the future. Yep. And I think what this conversation goes to show, it's been a bad year for anybody who is saying like, oh, the center position is dead. The future is just yeah. awful. Nobody plays in the post. There are a lot of very good centers in the NBA right yeah, it's, now. Dude, Tice is not bad. <laughs> no, Tice is good. It's I like bad. it. Yeah, there's good young centers too. Towns, obviously. DeAndre yeah. Ayton. I yeah. think... But enable to like thrive and obviously be elite, you're gonna have to have like not like insane guard skills, but you're gonna have to be at least somewhat reliable with the ball in your hand. Like like Joel and Bean and Anthony Davis, like those guys are beasts, and they can they can do so much on the floor. Oh, you mean bigs that can dribble? I mean, and and all these except for maybe like Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Yeah. but if you're like an elite rim protector, then obviously you're yeah, it's yeah gonna be a good center. Yeah, but like Jokic, like. But he's like so good at passing, and you can no, like no. I think Jokic it. is a good ball handler. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's yeah, like there's so many good big men. player in the league right now. A top players. A top ten player. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, can we talk about like Jamal Murray for a second? Because he couldn't. He could not miss. No. In game seven, every sh- every shot that he shot, even his like little floaters, I was like yeah. money. And they're tough shots. They're tough shots he's taking. Yeah. He's been showing out, dude. How yeah. do you oh, – we'll probably talk about that later, though, how those series are going to play out. Should we jump into it right now? Is there anything you'd like to um, finish up with for the All-NBA teams, Shannon? Uh, I think that was about it, except Devin Booker definitely deserted over Simmons. He averaged 10 more points per game than him. Oh, my. Whoa. Hey guys, sorry to cut off the action, but um, I just need to say this um, because my power ended up going out at that point in the podcast or in the Zoom call. So I had to start a completely new one. Um, so I just wanted to put this in here to avoid any confusion. Um, maybe one day this will be an ad spot, but for today it is not. So I'm just doing this for a smoother transition. I do intro and kind of recap what we did in the first portion but yeah i just wanted to stick this in here thank you enjoy sorry for the interruption i will get out of your hair bye bye so basically what happened is kind of the power went out but we're gonna we're gonna puzzle this thing together here so basically we just got done kind of reacting to like the nba like first team second team third teams and we pretty much kind of agreed with that right besides a few things and like like a uh, Dame and maybe like it could be an argument for like Devin Booker instead of Ben Simmons and stuff like that. Yeah. I think we roughly agree with the first team and then second and third team is pretty shaky. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so now we're going to get into finally the Eastern and Western conference finals. I'm looks like the future's pretty bleak for the Celtics, but who knows? And then the Nuggets surprise and shock the world and prove all of us wrong. Not me. I had a little bit of faith because I love Jamal Murray. I'm a man crush on Jamal, <laughs> but you guys lost all faith. So, yeah. yeah, you guys have to do a new prediction now. I don't think a lot of people saw the Nuggets coming. Yeah. But here. Do you want to start off, Jonah? Or Yeah. Jonah, so, why don't you just take the headlamp off and turn up your brightness? What does that mean? <laughs> I- <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm confused on what the headlamp's for. <laughs> yeah, you can just turn your well, brightness up. No, I need to look at my notes. Oh, oh okay. got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So, um, 
I guess where I want to start. It was like a survival show. Yeah, it's dope. I guess where is this going to be super bad for like the video version though? No, who cares? Because I guess I could turn it off and like put it right here, and I could still read. Yeah, that actually yeah, that, looks, that better looks way better. <laughs> okay. I liked it on your head. So we go. We'll go like this. So, um, I guess where I wanted to start was with. Um, the Lakers on offense because I think offensively they'll um, be able to like this sounds counterintuitive because of all the weapons that the Clippers have but I actually think the Lakers offense will be somewhat harder to stop and that's because I think the Clippers sort of bail the Nuggets out by using such an isolation heavy offense that involves like one or two of the offensive players um, because the Nuggets haven't had a good defense this year they've had they had the 15th best defense in the league for most of the season but what they do have is a variety of good on-ball defenders so like you've got your Gary Harris Jeremy Grant Torrey Craig and those guys can all do a pretty good job of guarding guys one-on-one but what we saw in the uh, Utah series was that when teams start moving the ball and having more of a diversified offense and sort of get the Nuggets in rotation, that's when they can really struggle. And guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, although they can hold up and guard and guard most players in one-on-one, they're not necessarily the smartest offensive or defensive players when it comes to like making rotations and always making the right decisions consistently. And ultimately, Denver was able to obviously win that series. But um, I thought it took a lot of trouble for them to ultimately figure out um, – the, uh, the Jazz offense, and I don't think they would have had it not been for Gary Harris coming back. So I think you got to look at this for, with the Nuggets defense first, and um, I guess there's no better place to start than with the Lakers' leading scorer, Anthony Davis. Um, That's the thing. He's a matchup nightmare for everyone, and I think that is not different for the Nuggets at all. I, no. I don't know who's going to stop Anthony Davis. Correct, yeah, because um, I think this – opens up a whole world of problems. You heard Frank Vogel the other day during that press conference saying they'll play McGee and Howard. And while I'm sure they probably will, especially earlier in the series, I can't imagine those guys playing significant minutes. And I think if this series goes longer or we see the Nuggets having a little bit of success, I think this will definitely tilt to a lot more Anthony Davis at five, which is what we saw the Lakers go to a lot in the rocket series but um i think that will um kind of be a struggle for the nuggets to try and defend just because i think Jokic will be too slow to match up with ad as the center i think if you put ad on the block or in the high post i think he'll probably be able to face up Jokic, get to the basket um you see ad a lot of times get opposing big men into foul trouble yeah and i think that could be way worse in this case scenario just because Jokic doesn't have the speed or the juice to necessarily stay in front of anthony davis definitely so i think this is definitely a matchup where we probably see paul Millsap start out and spend a lot of time on on ad and then maybe a few jeremy grant minutes as well and possibly even Mason Plumlee if we see um, if we see Denver go double bigs in the minutes where Howard and McGee are in the game. Yeah. But obviously that opens up a whole 
another world of issues because if Jokic isn't guarding the Lakers center, who is he guarding? Yes, Colin? Um, could Jeremy Grant guard AD? Yeah, he can for for sure. Because I feel I like would. he'd be a good because he's long, tall, and athletic. But I think yeah. also he's a good matchup for LeBron. Boom! Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue. Is you kind of need to get Jeremy yeah, that Grant is on tough. LeBron because yeah. mean, they have a lot of great wing defenders, but like Gary Harris and Torrey Craig are pretty undersized against LeBron. It's going to be a mm-hmm. Gary Trent situation at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and we saw. Gary Trent slow LeBron down and I think that's valuable and like the extent that making LeBron sort of work for and give all that extra effort is definitely worth something but yeah Gary Trent and Gary Harris by no means will be able to like keep LeBron out of the paint or keep LeBron from going downhill Um, if you can't stop him from that he's he's gonna get his buckets no doubt yes yeah so for sure so I think what we probably see is Jokic probably being on Maybe you try him on AD, but I just don't really see how that's possible. Like no, Jokic would, Jokic would just foul out in a matter of minutes. So I think will we probably see him on Morris, Markeith Morris, if Morris is in the game? Like he, there's no way he can guard Kuzma, and so if Javale McGee and Dwight Howard aren't aren't on the floor, I really think Markeith Morris is the only guy you can throw Jokic on. Right, and I so agree. I just think that that kind of bodes poorly for the um for the Denver defense um and then when it comes to LeBron James I actually think the Nuggets do have good personnel there like Jeremy Grant what Kellen what happened the thunder you didn't hear it there's a bomb that dropped in Albany Oregon (laughs) Dude, there was some big time thunder going on there. Did you just hear that? Holy moly! Jeez, that rattled my house. My goodness, crazy stuff. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> this Dang. is gonna be the weirdest episode of all gear no game ever. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, what do you think the series is gonna go to, Jonah? Because I think so I the Nuggets kind of have embraced the fact that everybody's counted them out and they're just kind of playing free right now. Yeah. And so I guess I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I still had a couple points to hit on before okay. I make my prediction, and I'm sure Channon probably does too. For LeBron, I actually think they have good matchups. Like I think Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig are definitely qualified um, to guard LeBron. I think what will hurt the Nuggets is the fact that um, LeBron James is so smart offensively and there are weak points in the Nuggets defense that he'll be able to attack. Like, for example, if Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic are on the floor and LeBron is out there too, I don't really see a scenario where LeBron doesn't run pick and roll with those guys yeah. um, ju- and just basically take advantage of the weak spots in the Nuggets defense. But I think in terms of just one-on-one guys who can match up with LeBron and shut him down offensively and sort of keep him from going downhill on him in an isolation situation. I think that this will, I think the Nuggets kind of have the horses to be able to do that. I think this will be an interesting series for Kyle Kuzma too, especially <laughs> if he's on the floor at the same, at the same time as LeBron, because at that point you're kind of starting to stretch the Nuggets wing defender depth a little thin 
especially when you consider that LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma are both guys who can play with the ball in their hands. So I think like Craig and Grant, you basically are the guys who you'd ideally have on Kuzma too. I bet Michael Porter Jr. will probably spend a lot of time on Kuzma just because they'll have to keep MPJ in the game for offense. And like, so therefore I bet he'll be guarding Kuzma just because they play the same position. And I think, sorry, what's Michael, what do you think Michael Porter Jr.'s like, like ceiling is like, what do you think his potential is? Cause if he'll be an all-star, he'll be an all-star. Cause I feel like he'll be good. And if, and if like, he would be a really valuable asset because he's like a big dude and he would be able to guard like ADs. For real, I, LeBron. I think it depends on his ability to stay healthy too. Because yep. well, yeah. when you look at all the back issues he's had over the course of like his young career, I think that is not very promising. But yeah, yeah his game is good for sure. I think he could be sort of like maybe almost like Carmelo Anthony-esque how he can... Yeah like how tall he is combine that with a quick release smooth shot and some good like skills in the mid-range i think he could be a pretty good score Um, a little more of a runner than carmelo anthony and less of a bumper but definitely similar with that pull-up game that's a good point too um but yeah i think that i think that um yeah michael porter jr he has a high ceiling it's just a matter of staying healthy for him so yeah um I guess one thing I did want to bring up with the Nuggets defense before we move on to the Nuggets offense is that I actually think Gary Harris could spend some time with the bench units for um, this series. And sort of what I mean by that is with the Lakers offense, you really only have, uh, or with the Lakers starters offense, it's very much like a one headed snake. Like with, the um, Clippers offense, you've got Lou Williams, you've got Kawhi Leonard, you've got Paul George, and you've got um, offensive initiators who come in sort of all shapes and sizes. Whereas with the Lakers, especially towards the end of games, you know it's going to be LeBron. And so I think Gary Harris is sort of overqualified to kind of hide out on like a KCP or a Danny Green. So I think you might see Mike Malone save Gary Harris for the bench units where he can guard like a Rajon Rondo or Alex Caruso and actually be more involved in the focal points of the Lakers offense. I think Mike Malone might seem more valuable as sort of not a guy he brings off the bench, but a guy who plays a lot alongside like the Monte Morrises and Michael Porter juniors. I agree. Yeah. Sorry. I'm muting myself. Cause I don't know if you guys can like my, the rain is just coming. Yeah. I have down. it on. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I hear it at I all. I can't even. I can't hear yours, Shannon. So that means you probably. Oh, okay. Can't yeah, we're probably good. I yeah, think we're I solid. Yeah. But yeah. Um, we're safe. I think one thing that makes, like you were talking about earlier, with uh, Denver being kind of a better one on one defensive team, one thing that makes the Lakers so scary is they have compiled this team of all these guys who are experienced offensively and you don't necessarily see that every game because of LeBron and Anthony Davis. So there's these guys that have put up numbers like Danny green, Mm -hmm. Caldwell Pope. These guys have had bad games, but also I I remember in the Portland series, like randomly one of them would just be on and it was like, Oh, okay. I forgot Danny green's a knockdown shooter. And so when you, if you, if you move the ball around Denver is they're going to struggle because there's these guys who can kind of come out of the shadows and be on for a night. And it's like, okay. And like Kyle Kuzma, super inconsistent. Sometimes he's tough to stop. So I think that makes it really hard to guard if 
if they're not playing one-on-one. And I think that's a great point too, because I think for any team to experience um, any amount of success against LeBron James and Anthony Davis two-man game, like you're going to have to send help at certain points. So you're going to have to have guys like Gary Harris or Michael Porter Jr. especially kind of um, clogging up the pain and just making things hard. So if KCP and Danny Green can punish them for sending that help, and if both of them are hitting their shots this series, this one might be over rather quickly. Yeah, definitely. I hope not. I think that... Nuggets are going to put up a pretty good fight despite the odds. Who knows? Yes. So I guess we might as well. Do you have anything, Channon, left to say about the Lakers' offense and the Nuggets' defense? No. Yeah, so I guess we might as well um, move on to the uh, Lakers um, or the Nuggets' offense, sorry. And I actually think this is going to be pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, Just because I think Anthony Davis is probably the best center that Nikola Jokic is going to have to go up against in the Western Conference playoffs. Like, obviously, against um, Zubats, Gobert, Harrow, all guys who are kind of more comfortable playing in a drop coverage. Although Gobert, I thought, did a pretty good job. Um, But Jokic is just able to punish those guys because I think, first of all, Obviously, Nikola Jokic has been taking more threes than he has at any point in his career, and he's been hitting them at a 40% clip, so that is definitely a problem. But then also, when you've got Jokic in space, it gives him um, the ability to see the floor, whereas if you have a guy like Anthony Davis who will chase him up to the three-point line and just make the passing angles a little bit tighter, a little bit harder to see, I think that could sort of bogged down the nugget offense i think anthony davis is quick enough to defend Jokic on the perimeter and and tall enough to like bother him in the post so i think that's the combination that um that will be tough for Jokic to deal with um i think mike malone has just got to take advantage of this i would be very disappointed if there are any minutes with anthony davis on the bench that nikola Jokic is not in the game just because I think you've got to sort of make hay in the minutes where the Lakers like best 80 or best Jokic answer isn't in the game. Yeah. Although I do think Howard could steal some minutes on Jokic. I think, um, I think Howard's sort of sneaky quick in like a similar way that Gobert is that he doesn't really have the quick feet to sort of slide in front of a guy on the perimeter, but he's kind of quick in an up and down sense that he can recover Definitely back to the basket very fast i think that athletic guy right yeah exactly i think that's super important when you're guarding Jokic. um so i guess moving on to that other um the other engine in the nuggets offense jamal really quick i think that's a really great point about um anthony davis because i think a majority of the nuggets offense comes from Jamal Murray slipping that pick and roll pass to Jokic and he likes it right in the middle of the floor or like at the top of the key sort of. And he has that floater he'll throw up, that weird hook shot. And his vision is so good that he makes those passes. So if you have a guy who steps right up on that, I think that, I mean, he yeah. he's a really smart player too, but I, I just, I think that would cause him to struggle a lot. I, yeah, 100%. What about, what about like, I don't know too much, but like it seems like when, when Jokic, when he get when he like kind of, not like drives or gets close to the basket. I feel like so much attention is drawn to him and he just like 
will hit like a cutter like Gary Harris or something. And then yeah. like I feel like that could play a big role, especially like if the Lakers don't play like like if they're like lazy on defense. He's definitely exactly court because Jokic takes advantage of every little thing and he just like like in all these different angles like it's just with a defender like Anthony Davis, it's going to be harder for him to get in the situation because Anthony Davis, he's also going to make it hard for him to get the ball in the post or whatever. I'm like, fun. I, it's I'm excited to watch that matchup. That'll be fun. Yeah, because then some like Jokic will obviously get his too on Anthony yeah. Davis. And something that happened, especially in Game Seven of the Clippers series, as it wore on, and it just became obvious that Zubac and, in particular, Harold just had no answer for Jokic scoring the ball himself. The Clippers actually did the worst thing possible and started blitzing just the hell out of Jokic and sending doubles whenever he caught the ball. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just, if anything, makes it worse because... that opens everything up for, like, cutters. Exactly. that's what he wants. That's what he wants. Yeah, and so I think with Anthony Davis, there will be no reason for the Lakers to ever have to double Nikola Jokic. And so I think that's some very low-hanging fruit that the Lakers will be able to pick is just not sending double teams, and that'll cut out just the easy buckets. And then I think Danny Green on Jamal Murray should be a fairly good 1v1 matchup. And then obviously AD will be able to hedge the pick and roll, and that'll prevent easy switches. I don't think the Lakers will switch with um, the thing that frustrated me at times with the Clippers defense, especially when it was Paul George who was guarding Jamal Murray, which was the majority of the first five games, maybe five and a half games, was just how little resistance he gave on when it came to switching. Like you would see Zubots guarding Jamal Murray at the end of possessions and you would see Jamal Murray getting up easy step back threes and just basically taking what he wanted from the... um, from the Clipper defense. And I think um, that'll be a lot harder, mostly because AD will be coming up on those pick and rolls and sort of stalling it and almost stopping it in his tracks and giving guys like Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Caruso time to recover and sort of get in front of Jamal Murray. And obviously you're not, that could maybe, well, no, because like I was going to say, you might see Jokic start slipping some pick and rolls and trying to get to the basket quicker, but you've got guys like LeBron James coming and sending help. And I think that the, uh, that the um, Lakers will easily give up threes to guys like Jeremy Grant. So I, I really see, I really don't think the Nuggets will be able to score too easily on this Laker group. And this is something that I think probably is um, a little bit of um, this might be a, make some Nuggets fans mad, but I think it's been a lot of smoke and mirrors that we've seen from this Denver team in the playoffs so far. Like, over the course of their first two series, they've actually been outscored by 21 points. They don't have a positive point differential in this year's playoffs. Out of the teams who have been eliminated, the Bucks, Raptors, Clippers, Mavericks, and... um, Blazers? No, I think it just might be those five teams. Those five teams all have better net ratings than the Nuggets do this playoffs. During the regular season, Jamal Murray shot 34% from three, and Jokic shot 31%. That's turned into 44% and 40% over the course of the playoffs. 
you've got to give the Nuggets their credit, obviously, but there's a lot of luck and a lot of smoke and mirrors involved. And I think that there are yeah, but very Jamal Murray's very, he's kind of done it like consistently. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it, sh- it might be obviously like a short like. Yeah, it's kind of. Kinda- it's kind of small sample but I mean, size. He, yeah, it's a small sample size, but like he has done it throughout the playoffs, which is yeah. a good sign. And that's got to be like, I don't know. I one feel thing like, though, guys, and I think this makes is one of the Lakers' biggest strength is how physical they are. Like mm-hmm. it destroyed the Blazers, like offensively. Like, I mean, we had several injuries even, but not just that. And the Rockets, like the Rockets are undersized. Lakers definitely took advantage of that. They're so, so, so physical. They have so many guys who bump and bruise, and Jamal Murray really hasn't played that yet. Yeah, so that's true. So I, I think it'll be a good test for him, but I, I'm not really that confident that he's going to produce at the same level. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I guess, is there anything you'd like to add, or should we get on to some predictions right here? Yeah, predict the West. Okay, I think I'm going to have to take the Lakers in five in this series. Like I said, all – Credit to the Nuggets. They've been a terrific three seed. Obviously mm-hmm. pulled off probably one of the biggest comebacks in NBA history. But um, I think it's the, been um, a lot of luck, a lot of smoke and mirrors. I think the Lakers have a lot of specific problems for Denver. And so I think the Lakers make quick work. Yeah. I'm taking do the, the Lakers Do you think four. the Lakers, Lakers give up a, feel, a feeler game, the first game, and then just freaking go four straight? Like they have every other series? I think that's pr- a pretty realistic option. I think, yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, if, you, if Denver wins any, I think it'll be the first game. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers just take care of business. I think they have the right matchups to stop Denver. Denver could be tired too. Exactly. They just played two seven-game series. You have yeah. to be tired. And they came back 3-1 both times. Yeah. Has that ever happened before? No. Wow, that's so impressive. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. Uh, but what did you say? You think that's going to be five games too, Shannon? No, I said four. But oh, four? If, if Denver oh. wins any, it'll be the first, I think. Got it. Dang. And I will, I will say I think this is closer to being a four-game series than it is to being a six-game series. I think this is a comfortable five games for the Lakers. I think that the Nuggets win two games. Two games. Okay. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Yeah. But I don't I don't think there'll be anybody any doubt in anybody's minds that the Lakers are gonna like lose the series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kinda how like the Warriors are when they were like on their dynasty. Or they still are kinda. But yeah. Um, okay, and then you're gonna go into the Eastern. Um, well, I'm going to stand by this um, heat in six. Oh, wait, you, we already predicted that. There. Yeah, yeah, you said six, Jonah? Maybe five at this point. Though. I know, yeah, that's what I'm thinking now. Yeah, and mine's a bust, uh, but whatever. Yeah, I don't, I mean, if, it's, if it was going to go to six, I'd say the Celtics might have to take the next two, and I don't really see that happening. That's got to be yeah. so demoralizing. Yeah. It's like I've seen that before. Like when a team's up by double digits and they just blow it. it sucks. It's tough. <laughs> what does that remind you of, Jonah? The Clipper series. Oh yeah. <laughs> so one I can think of. Yeah. Anything else NBA you want to talk about? 
I think that's it for now. Unless Chan and did, did you have anything? I think that wraps it up. All right. Sick. All right. I have to talk about the UFC on Saturday. Don't have you made any predictions and are you going to watch? Yep. Well, I think I'll leave most of the hard hitting analysis of the UFC to Kellen just so I don't embarrass myself. But um, yeah, he called it the I'll, UCF last time. Yeah, the University of Central Florida fighting <laughs> division. But I'll okay, chime, I'll chime in with some predictions when it feels appropriate. Okay. Well, I'll just I'll go through for for the for the prelims. I'm just gonna say a few names that are gonna stand out. So Tyson Nam is an absolute. He's a savage. He's had a little bit of trouble, um, kind of getting a fight because COVID and everything, people drop out. It's been, it's been a really odd time. But Tyson Nam's a guy to look out for. I think he's opening up the card on the prelims. And then um, Andre Yule's a stud. And I'm interested to see. I haven't heard a ton of the guys on the um, – Oh, Jordan Espinosa versus David Dvorak is going to be a good one. That's the prelim um, – that's the prelim headliner. And Jordan Espinoza, slick boxing, super fast. He's coming off a dub. And then David Dvorak hasn't lost in a long time. And um, he, yeah, he's riding like a freak. I don't know how many. He's won at least his last six fights. But that's going to be an awesome fight. But as for the main card, it should be a pay-per-view. But yeah, I'm going to, so to start off, we've got, um, Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart. So Kevin Holland's the dude I was talking about who's super long. He's like a sniper and he knocked out. Um, I think it was walking Buckley last, last week. Walking Buckley is a beast. And then Darren Stewart caught Maki Patola, who's an absolute beast in a guillotine his last time out. And that was August 8th. So he's having a pretty quick turnaround. Kevin Holland. I'm probably going to have to go with Kevin Holland on this just because I haven't really seen anybody give him too much of a challenge yet. And he's so long and use, utilizes his reach super well. Cause he's, I'm pretty sure he's like, yeah, he's six, three and that's pretty decent for the middleweight division. And he's got an 81 inch reach. That's pretty savage. So I think he's probably going to um, probably hold Darren Stewart at bay and probably get a knockout early in the early, early in the second round. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. He has a pretty significant, um, Height and read. What do you think, Jonah? Yeah, because Stewart only Darren Stewart only has um, a seventy-four inch reach, and that's pretty significant. If you can if you can utilize your um, advantage, like um, reach advantages, as well as Kevin Holland does, like I don't I don't see Darren Stewart taking this dub. They're complete two different complete. They're two completely different fighters. Jonah. Oh yeah, yeah I I agree. Do you think? Do you think we might see? Are, are you taking him just because he's the favorite, Jonah, or are you, do you genuinely think? Well, you know, it's hard for me to resist a good favorite, but um, do you think we could see this fight ending early? If anything, oh yeah, I think Kevin Holland's going to clip him early, like I said. Yeah, I 110%. agree. Ten percent. All right, moving on. So we got Mackenzie Dern. She's coming off a dub against Hannah Cyphers, or like. I think earlier this year, early, yeah. And then Randa Marcos. I, I'm pretty sure Mackenzie Dern's going to get a submission early. I don't know. Randa Marcos, she's got some she's got some nice hair. But Mackenzie Dern's just super strong, super, um, like, durable and strong for her weight class. And um, Randa Marcos is coming off a loss against Amanda Hibas, who that's nothing to, like, hang your head about or hang your head over. But Mackenzie Dern, she's, like, she – really fills out the 115 pound weight division or the um straw weight 
women's strawweight division. She's a beast. And so I think she's probably going to take that dub for sure. Um, I think that Mackenzie Dern's definitely a rising star and Ronald Marcos is a little bit older and probably on her way up. And so that's just to start. That's the first two fights. And then we have probably my, in my opinion, it's going to be fight of the night. So Johnny Walker versus Ryan Superman span Johnny Walker, probably one of the most crazy athletic two of fivers, um, light heavyweights in the division. He's coming off two losses though. And I think he's kind of feels like he's kind of backed up into a corner and if he's going to keep his, um, if he's going to maintain the status of kind of a, a rising contender, he's definitely got to get this dub. And Ryan Span, he's riding like a hella. He hasn't lost in a, yeah, he hasn't lost in a fat minute. So, but he hasn't really fought any good guys. And Johnny Walker's fought Corey, fought like Corey Anderson, who's a beast, but he recently left. And then he lost to Nikita Krylov because he got exposed on the ground. Johnny Walker's kind of known as a striker and he got, absolutely exposed and pretty much held down for like three rounds and so we'll see if he's made any improvement there but i'm excited i think this could be a firefight and expect johnny walker to have some spinning techniques and just throw heavy shots but it'll be interesting to see if ryan span will like try to just neutralize him on the ground i hopefully he doesn't because it kind of won't be fair and it'll be boring just saying and then so and then moving on to the rising star Hamzat Chemayev. You guys have to look him up. Jaden, look up Hamzat Chemayev right now. Probably one of the most scary men in the UFC. Has so much confidence in his abilities. What's his name? Okay, so K-H-A-M-Z-A-T. And then C-H-I-M-A-E-V. You'll have to watch him talk, bro. He is absolutely... Oh, goodness. Yes. He his beard um, is unrivaled in the UFC. He has the most hair I've ever seen in one portion of his body. He has so you're zero. Telling me he's the James Harden of UFC. <laughs> yeah, he's an abs. He's something, dude. And poor, he's he's so good that they they basically so UFC's coming back to Fight Island and they rescheduled him for another fight. He's going to be fighting Damian Maya. So they're basically expecting him to run through a poor Gerald Murchart. And Jared Mur, they had a little bit of back and forth today at the press conference. And um, Hamzat's like a blue belt in jujitsu, and Gerald Mershart's like a black belt. And um, basically, Hamzat was just saying, oh, "I'm going to choke you out, and I'm going to make you give you, give me your black belt after the fight." And so, <laughs> it's pretty savage on Hamzat's part. But I have seen nothing but good things from him. He has thrown. He has beat his opponent. His last two opponents. He's absorbed two strikes, and um, he's hit the other two guys like with over 300 strikes so he's basically demolishing world-class fighters like they're not just scrubs and but gerald mershart is a seasoned vet and he's gonna go in there with like no fear just like i'm just gonna try to derail this hype train and so honestly homs that's got all the weight on his shoulders but gerald mershart i don't think he's gonna have a i think he's gonna have a long day um and then Donald Cerrone versus Nico Price, pretty savage co-main event because Nico Price just got done with a firefight against Vicente Luque, lost to Vicente Luque because he got clipped. But Nico Price has improved a lot in his um like la- in like the last in his last few fights, and even since he's fought Vicente Luque the first time, poor Donald Cerrone has lost um 
his last four fights, but he's lost to the former um, lightweight interim champion, Tony Ferguson, the current uh, interim lightweight champion, Justin Gaethje. And then he lost, he got absolutely obliterated by Conor McGregor in 47 seconds in January. And then he also lost to, I'm spacing on it. I forget who he lost to, but he's taken some pretty significant damage. He's lost like three of the four ones he's lost. He's lost by like TK or knockout. So I don't know how old Donald's doing, but I feel like, oh wait, he lost Anthony Pettis his last time out just recently and it was a pretty close fight and i thought he personally won but they didn't give him the dub so i hopefully donald Cerrone squeaks this one out but nico price looks like a pretty savage um uh welterweight contender and donald Cerrone really even he's isn't a welterweight he hasn't i i think yeah this is a welterweight bout pretty sure yeah i don't i think donald could get absolutely wrecked i hope not he's got a new child He's literally admitted it that he's just fighting to get money because he's like, he has like a, a ranch where he invites all these fighters to come train and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I basically invested all my cash into this. So I just am here to fight again to get more cash to put into the he's ranch. So I don't man. know. I don't know if that's a good thing, but yeah. Probably um, means he'll be more motivated. So I would definitely say that's good. That's yeah. Fast. And then as... As for the main event, I could not be more excited for Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington because Colby Covington, easily the most divisive figure in all of sports right now. You know who Colby Covington is, Shannon? I do not. Well, you should look him up on Instagram. Let me see. <laughs> to say the least, he is um, controversial. And then Tyron Woodley today came out and they had a press conference today and all he just answered with the form of... Um, Black lives matter, black lives matter, like black lives matter. So like if someone answered a question, he's like, yeah, I'm really excited for the fight, but I'm really, I'm more excited for people to realize that black lives matter. And so he's kind of said it, it was kind of, it's good that he was doing this, but, um, yikes. I don't know. It's kind of frustrating for the media, especially when they haven't got to talk to him a lot. You know what I mean? But then, yeah, Colby Covington, um, Colby Covington is probably going to just have a five-round slugfest with poor Tyron Woodley because Tyron Woodley is like 38 years old. And so, yeah. All right, so I'll go through uh, kind of again and just pick my winner. So going Kevin Holland, Mackenzie Dern, Johnny Walker, Hamza Chemaev, Nico Price, and Colby Covington. I'm separate. For once in my life, I'm finally separating like who I want to win versus who I know is going to win. But I want, like, I love Colby Covington, even though he's like, <laughs> he loves Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. Like he puts on a show, dude. And he talks big game. And I can't even imagine the pressure on his shoulders that he has before he goes out. But like, at the same time, he must be like one of the most confident dudes in the world to like talk like that and then actually go out and perform and destroy world-class fighters. So, yeah. Do you think, do you think Colby's going to win Jonah? Uh, yeah, I think this one, yeah. I mean, obviously is a big favorite, but I feel like there's a reason he's, I feel like, isn't Woodley just kind of washed up Covington? Kind of, but the thing that the storyline is, the storyline is that like Tyron Woodley's never been more like motivated for a fight, especially now. Cause he, Colby Covington is literally like, it's me, like Republican versus him democrat like he's made it he he went there he went there for this fight so Wait, when yeah. is this when is this fight it is saturday 
I might have to check in on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, dude, dude, you'll have to, Hamza Chamaya, like if you're ever if you ever watch UFC fights, like this would be the one to watch, especially that it's not a pay-per-view because they're making it big because they're going to be going to like Abu Dhabi for Fight Island because like they, they use all their American talent for the most part. And then because there's like travel restrictions in places, so they make it easier for the international fighters. So they fight somewhere else overseas. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm super excited. Hopefully none of these fall out because they have like extensive COVID testing. And if they catch you at all, you're done. Yeah. And also it's like some of these guys are taking short notice fights. So weight cutting has been kind of a problem. There was one fight that dropped out last week because a guy like fainted because he's trying to cut too much weight in a short period oh, of time. Geez. Yeah. So, and, and like the UFC doesn't like catch weights, which are like, cause like the weight classes go 25, 35, um, 45, 55, 70, 85 and 205, and then 260. Um, and they don't like it when you like, make an agreement to fight at like 160 or something because they they don't really mean anything because you're not getting the fighter you're not getting like a true you're because if someone because like cutting an extra five pounds is like a significant difference and it truly it makes a big difference in a fight so yeah cannot wait for this if colby covington loses that's not gonna be good because he's gonna look like a clown he's gonna look like a massive clown but i would be fine looking like a massive clown when the UFC is cutting me a seven figure payday. So, and when bangs making me um, shoot a commercial or then post it on my Instagram, I wonder how much money they're throwing at him for energy drinks, which is wild. But he's one of the most cringy guys ever, but he is the Oregon boy. He wrestled at Oregon state, Shannon. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I think that kind of wraps it up. I'm super excited and I got to get those. Hopefully I go, uh, Hopefully I go undefeated this time because I, the last time I predicted fights and posted on the Insta, it didn't go my way at all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not going to. Hey, it's okay. Same, same for us with uh, Denver and Clippers. So <laughs> I guess, that, I guess that's true. All right, guys. So I'll piece this together the best I can, but all right. awesome. Sounds good. Thank you guys for doing this. this is uh, fun. Peace no, out. Thank guys. you. All right. Bye-bye.